1: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, the small Northern California town of Willows experienced smoke filled air four out of 12 months last year and has been one of the hardest hit by wildfire smoke in the last four years. That's according to a recent analysis by NPR's California Newsroom, which looked at years of air quality data across the state and nation and found dramatic increases in the number of smoke filled days. We'll look at the health implications of their findings and find out which air quality monitoring tools are best for getting accurate and timely information. That's all next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. With California's wildfires in recent years starting earlier in the season, spreading faster and burning longer, we've known and most likely felt like we're breathing in more wildfire smoke. Now, an investigation by NPR's California Newsroom collaboration has put figures on that, finding a startling increase in the number of days that we're breathing in wildfire smoke and which zip codes in the state are being hit hardest. Joining me now is Farida Javla Romero, a reporter with KQED and NPR's California Newsroom. Farida, glad to have you on. Ah, uh, and also with us is Allison Saldana, an investigative data reporter with NPR's California Newsroom. Alison, glad to have you on as well. Are you with us?
2: Yes, I am. It's great to be here. Thank you.
1: Alison, can you tell us a little bit about the investigation and its findings? There were some dramatic statistics on big cities experiencing, for example, the biggest increases in smoky days. Can you start there?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, what we found was is really troubling. Um, this isn't just a Northern California problem or a Central Valley problem where the air is likely to stay polluted from wildfire smoke for a few months in a year it's actually an overall u.s problem um, even on the east coast which is thousand miles away um, you can sort of see that exposure to smoke has increased and california is driving that increase and and you can especially see that because in san francisco um, the the exposure to smoke has risen like four times we're looking at over a month and a half of smoke Uh, each year for the last five years in San Francisco. And then you have Sacramento, another big city, where it's something like two months of smoke exposure for the last five years.
1: Wow, how did you figure this out? How did you analyze these data?
2: So we knew that we can all sort of see that wildfires are burning hotter, faster, and they're just generally worse than they've ever been before. and, and while we understand that this is posing threats to our health, we don't quite understand how badly it's affecting us. So we decided to quantify that. And so we partnered with Stanford University's Environmental Change and Human Outcomes Lab, I think it's called the ECHO Lab, uh, to get the data on smoke exposure at the zip code level. And what the researchers at Stanford did was Take satellite images of smoke across the US um, and and map them onto zip codes Um, and then we got that data set in a spreadsheet and we started looking at it to understand what has been the change over time. And you know, given that smoke moves around, it made sense to group a few years uh, together so that we get a real understanding of what residents at every zip code are likely experiencing over the past decade. So we did a before times when wildfires weren't as destructive. So I'm thinking um, this was between 2009 and 2013. And, um, and then we did the current period, which is uh, since 2016 to 2020.
1: And according to your analysis, it sounds like it's been a small city of Willows, California, that has been considered, quote unquote, the smokiest. Can you tell us why, how bad has the wildfire smoke been there last year and in recent years?
2: Well, Farida um, can speak more about that, but essentially what we found is that as you mentioned uh, willows is the worst we're looking at an average of three months of smoke and what she found was um, that it essentially the way of the, the landscape sort of traps the air uh, and the smoke a, a lot more than it does in other parts and that has been a contributing factor. I see and Farida you're with us? Yes. Hi, Mina. Sorry, I was on mute
1: before. Total rookie mistake. (laughs) Oh, no problem. That is the new reality of these COVID remote times. Um, So Farida, you did spend quite a bit of time in Willows and uh, wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about what it's like. Allison was telling us geographically, of course, it's about 80 miles north of Sacramento and it's in the Sacramento Valley, which may have contributed to the fact that it has Mm -hmm. had a lot of smoky days. And funny enough, full description disclosure, my, my spouse is actually born and raised in Willows. So tell me what you learned and heard from the people there. Have they been noticing this increase in smoke?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just added a level of stress for everyone in the area in one way or another. And um, just to go back to the geography, I mean, like you mentioned, it's in the Sacramento Valley. So we have the uh coastal beautiful coastal range you know mountains on one side the sierra nevada on the other and that geography has definitely played a role in um, smoke and pollution from the smoke getting sort of trapped in the area or lingering there longer but of course it's been you know the major wildfires we've had in the region that have sort of spewed smoke in that direction And especially in 2018 with the campfire that burned the uh, nearby town of Paradise to Willows. I mean, residents of Willows told me that they could see, you know, just like these huge plumes of smoke, um, you know, coming at them. And then of course, like ash raining and just uh, really serious uh, dark days, you know, there. And then in 2020, we had the record setting uh, August complex fire in the region as well. And that also put a lot of smoke. Smoke there. Yeah, but in terms of like what people have been, you know, feeling, I mean, it's definitely changing um everyday life there. Uh, I think a lot of people are just trying to deal with it in the best way that they can and go on with their day, but I mean schools, for example, have had to cancel recess and outdoor activities and uh sports practices when the air quality is not good to protect the health of of the kids um You see a lot of uh parents and families talking about how they struggle to keep uh children indoors more or uh people you know who love the outdoors really. Um, you know, having a sense that this is impacting their mental health and their lifestyle, you know, because they used to love to go whitewater rafting or hiking, and now it's really difficult to do that. And then, of course, like the the health issues that we're seeing, like short-term impact, for kids, uh, you know, kids complaining of a lot more headaches and runny noses and tiredness. And then, um, you know, smoke is really uh, uh, dangerous for people who have lung and uh, heart conditions already. I spoke with a Vietnam veteran, a 74-year-old man who's lived in Willows for 23 years. He has a chronic lung condition, and he already has a really hard time breathing, uh, you know, on a normal day. So when it's hazy outside, he has a really difficult time. And um, I spoke with him at his home.
1: And his name is Larry George.
3: Yes, his name is Larry George.
1: Let's hear a little bit from Larry. It just feels like you're
4: you're not allowed to go out. You know, you don't have the freedom you had.
5: Uh, and it's only it's only because you know you have to to at least keep what health you got so it's, it's
4: it it's not a comfortable situation
1: you also mentioned that it's been affecting schools you talk with some parents uh of kids in the schools there in willows what's going on there
3: yeah so um i spoke with um I actually went to a, a high school football game in willows when uh the air quality was not bad and they were able to you know go on with their game And, um, you know, parents there told me that they're uh, seeing their kids uh, just struggle a lot on hazy days with um, tiredness, itchy eyes, uh, headaches. You know, teachers told me that students will frequently complain of headaches. um, And, you know, they're like, "Uh, well, have you drank enough water? You know, like there's not a lot they can do, even even if they try to keep the kids endorsed uh, um and then i spoke with Melida chavez who is a mom of a high school student and she said for her family what she's seen the um the smoke and just the the the, the frequent days you know when they have to do it because if, i feel like if you feel it one day or two days, maybe it's not that bad, When it, but when it's several days, it really adds up. Right. And so she said it really had an impact uh, for her family just in, in the level of uh, stress and then, um, yeah, also mental health and just, uh, you know, happiness
2: for, for her kids.
1: Well, let's see if we can hear Nelida. Kids need to run. Kids
2: need to be in school. They need activities and they need to be outside playing. And it's hard when you can't. So they get grouchy, parents get grouchy, teachers get grouchy. So... We need outside time.
1: And uh, you were talking about how it was affecting Larry George, how it's affecting kids. It sounds like it's having an overall psychological effect, even in addition to a physical one.
3: Yeah, I think with Larry George, um, I mean, uh, I think, you know, he feels like because of his health, he can't go outside of his house when the air quality is not good or it's hazy or smoky. And so he has this feeling of just being trapped in there. He's, um, you know, a senior, and he lives mostly alone. So he just spends a lot of time watching TV. But um, uh, yeah, I think for him it's just the sense of, of of feeling trapped. And I heard that from other folks and Willows. Like I went to the um, local local hospital, Glen Medical Center, and medical staff there was telling me that you know people with the pandemic and then this added. Uh, stress of uh, of the smoke, not being able to go outside is really hitting people, and you know, um, impacting their their mental their mental health.
1: Are people even considering moving?
3: Yes. So actually, Larry George um, told me that he's um, probably going to go to Illinois. His stepdaughter lives there and he just, you know, wants to be in a place where he doesn't feel like he's trapped inside his house for so so long. You know, like you mentioned, the welfare season is just, you know, getting longer and longer. Um, but then I also spoke with uh, farmers in the area. This is a big agricultural region. There, uh, people grow a lot of rice and almond and nuts. Um, and then there's other agricultural operations. I spoke with a third generation dairy farmer. His name is Tim Pedroso. And um, he's uh, lived in his farm in, near Willows in this area in town called Orland. Um, he's been there for 22 years, you know, and um, he is considering moving because, uh, because of the smoke, uh, but also um, his farm is surrounded by a lot of uh, almond and um, nut uh, orchards and um, and and during the harvesting time, the machinery to harvest the nuts kicks up a lot of cl- uh, clouds of uh, dust. So he feels like that really compounds their quality.
5: Well, let's
1: see if we can hear Tim Pedroso.
5: We're probably gonna move out of the area because we're kind of we're exhausted having to go through so many years of uh, smoke and the air quality from. The harvesting that's going around, that it's just getting harder and harder to want to you know, stay here. In fact, my son already moved.
1: We're hearing voices from Willows, California, deemed the smokiest place in the West recently as a result of an investigation by the NPR California Newsroom on air quality in California and across the U.S. affected by wildfire smoke. We also want to hear how you're affected after the break. Listeners, you are listening to Forum. I'm Nina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Californians are being inundated with smoke more often and for longer periods. And it's especially hard on kids, the elderly, people with chronic health conditions, and people living in some rural areas like Willows, California. We want to hear from you, our listeners. How have you been affected by wildfire smoke? Has the increase in smoky air. The, the ash on cars and patios taken a toll on you. If you've had health effects from wildfire smoke, tell us how you've been affected. You can call us at 866-733-6786 866-733-6786 You can email us, forum at kqed.org, or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Our look at the effect of wildfire smoke has been inspired by an NPR California newsroom investigation. And with us are Farida Javala Romero, a reporter with KQED and NPR's California Newsroom, and Allison Saldana, investigative data reporter with NPR's California Newsroom as well. And joining us now is John Bombs, a professor of medicine at UCSF and a professor of environmental health sciences at the School of Public Health Policy at UC Berkeley. Dr. Bombs, appreciate having you on. I'm glad to be here. And let me once again remind our listeners the number 866-733-6786 for your questions for our guests and Dr. Bombs, 866-733-6786. Email address forum at kqed.org get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. So Dr. Bombs, I don't know if you heard what we were talking about just before the break, but basically what Farida is describing is a community that's repeatedly being exposed to wildfire smoke. And I'm wondering what are the concerns about the health effects of repeated exposures like this?
5: Well, there are um, kind of major concerns about that. We know a lot about uh, the short-term effects of wildfire smoke exposure, especially for kids and adults with pre-existing heart and lung disease. Uh, And there's no question really that short-term effects uh, occur. What we're not as sure about because we don't have data uh, is about recurrent exposures over the long term because we really haven't had to worry about that until the last few years. And there is major concern across the globe, really. Uh, There are researchers in Australia, as well as in this country that are trying to understand the impacts of these recurrent high level exposures. And we're especially concerned about kids because their organs are still developing, uh, lungs and then uh, other organs as well. And we know, From the outdoor air pollution uh, research literature for non wildfire smoke, fine particulate, the so called PM2.5, that there are effects on developing organs in kids, Mm -hmm. Uh, both development of lung function, growth of lung function, and then neurodevelopment, you know, cognition, the IQ. And so we are concerned that recurrent exposures like we've had the last two years in some communities in California, uh, you know, if if a child has those exposures every fire season while they're growing up, will that affect their development?
1: Wow. Can you remind us what's in wildfire smoke that's so worrying?
5: Well, I'll start with what I've already mentioned, the the wildfire smoke PM 2.5, the fine particulate, because that's the easiest measured.
1: In PM uh, sensor particulate matter, or...?
5: yes thank you <laughs> particulate matter and so pm 2.5 that's particulate matter that's 2.5 microns in size and to give your listeners a sense of how small that is a human hair which you could just feel right now if you want it, that's about 60 microns thick so these fine particles are you know way smaller than that and they can penetrate down into the deep lung where they can cause inflammation injury and inflammation, and that can spill over into the systemic circulation and affect other organs. And uh, that's the most easily measured component of wildfire smoke and the one we know the most about. But there are other components, especially for people that live near the actual fires. You know, it's one thing for exposure to the smoke plume, which can be many miles away. Like here in the Bay Area, we can get exposures from fires that are hundreds of miles away uh, to the fine particulate, but the gases that are emitted, which can be highly toxic, uh, those exposures are only when you're close to the fire line. So like Mm -hmm. this summer in Grizzly Peak uh, in South Tahoe, there was exposure to the gases as well as to the uh, particulate matter. yeah, those gases are highly irritating and can contribute to exacerbations of, of of respiratory health outcomes.
1: Right. Well, we have a couple of questions from listeners that are talking about wildfire smoke combined with daily pollutants from cars, for example. Ben writes, have there been any studies on wildland urban interface fires where lots of buildings and cars are burned in addition to trees? It seems like adding carcinogens like benzene from gasoline and heavy metals from cars and structures would make the smoke even more dangerous. Pete tweets, how does smoke from fires contrast with smoke with smog as to health impacts? Have the researchers compared the data to industrialized areas of the past? Dr. Bombs?
5: Those are perfect questions. I couldn't have asked for better ones. Uh, so to start with the wildland urban interface, so-called WUI fires, um, your listener is right. The, there's highly toxic materials that are added to the already toxic wildfire smoke. Um, you know, both benzene, uh, formaldehyde uh, are both carcinogens. Uh, the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbon carbons (PAHs) that are produced when Uh, carbon-based materials burn, uh, are carcinogenic. And so uh, we are concerned about cancer risk, though that is also gonna be dose-related. And uh, if you think about cigarette smoke, which we know is highly carcinogenic, it's not one cigarette, it's not one pack, it's many years of smoking cigarettes that increases the risk of lung cancer. So we're more worried about cancer risk in wildland firefighters to get exposed heavily for longer periods of time over many years uh, than the public in terms of cancer. But there's no question that the wildland-urban interface fires are more dangerous uh, than a pure wildfire, which is also dangerous enough. And the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine convened a panel to try to understand the toxicity of of that, that smoke. Um, the research isn't there yet, but they're trying to sort of tee that up. And uh, the second listener was asking about the combination of wildfire smoke uh, and pollution, pollution yeah. versus the you know a, a, and the regular air pollution exposure. And Marshall Burke, who contributed to um, the dangerous air work, uh, he looked at that uh, for the the last summer's bad month of, of wildfire smoke, uh, you know, August, early August into early September, and showed what the exceedances were in terms of total PM 2.5 during wildfire days on top of the baseline. And, uh, you know, it, it it was a lot in uh, for that month in multiple cities in Northern California. And then finally, there have been some studies from... Uh, Scripps investigators down in San Diego comparing uh, risk of healthcare use during wildfire smoke days versus non-wildfire smoke days and the toxicity uh, in terms of bringing people into emergency departments uh, was about 10 times higher for the wildfire smoke PM 2.5 compared to non-wildfire smoke PM 2.5.
1: You know, and Saldana, this is reminding me of some of the things that you found as, as things that were happening during wildfire periods. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the health effects that you suspect are going on as a result of, of increases in activities that you saw during wildfire periods related to people seeking medical help?
2: Yes. Um, So what we decided to do once we had the data on wildfire smoke exposure across the US is look specifically at California, which has been driving that change um, and and rise in exposure and look at the hospitalizations. Um, We could only look at publicly available data sets, but what we found when we narrowed down hospitalizations for heart and lung diseases between 2016 and uh, 2019. We found that in 2018, uh, which was a particularly bad fire year, there were 30,000 more hospitalizations for heart and lung conditions than there were in 2016, which was a less destructive fire year. Now, there could have been other reasons for that, um, but we do know, and as Dr. Balms has said already um we know that smoke exposure aggravates these conditions and we could see that in the data Mm -hmm. and we also sort of mapped it out and what we found was that the areas that are looking at more hospitalizations are also the ones that are exposed to more smoke in almost all the regions so that that's one of the more troubling things that we found and then we also try to look at um prescriptions for asthma medication. And, and we looked at California and, and we looked at it across cities. Um, and what we found again was that asthma prescriptions between 2013 and 2018 have risen by 20%. And we're looking at a quarter million more albuterol prescriptions uh, in 2018 compared to 2013.
1: Well, Joel tweets, every time the air quality drops due to wildfire smoke, my sinus has become irritated, which usually includes bleeding. My wife and I have only lived in the East Bay for seven years, and for half of them, we had to deal with air quality issues. We are out of here as soon as we are able. You can share how wildfire smoke has been affecting you by calling 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Let me go to Doug in North San Juan. Hi, Doug.
4: Hi, thanks for taking the call. Um, We're about 30 miles north, excuse me, due south of where Paradise is. We're in the same ecosystem, the same environmental situation as they were, which is lots of brush plus ponderosa pines and lots of oaks. We own 60 acres, and we've been preserving that as a uh, uh, stopgap against climate change. Uh, We're not logging, we're... We try and clear the land as much as we can, but we're surrounded on one side by thousands of acres of trees, and we've been close to other fires, but we haven't had too many. But, boy, did we get the smoke. I mean, our highest reading was up over 500 mm-hmm. on the AQI scale. Wow. And um, and this is just too much. I mean, at this point, we're refurbishing a uh, little mini rv which you know normally we wouldn't use but at this point i feel it's important for our family health to be able to take off to the coast when we look at what's going on around us and uh and what we can what we can do to uh save our lungs yeah. and i was certainly alarmed to hear the doctor from UCSF tell us that the Uh, kids are strongly affected. And I know there's a lot of families that live up here on the ridge, the North San Juan Ridge, who, you know, cannot afford to take off for the coast for weeks at a time. But that's what I'm aiming at for next summer or whenever the fire season starts up again. We've been really lucky the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your experience and also Just giving us a sense of of how folks in North San Juan are dealing with this. And Farida Jabra Romero, when you talked with people in Willows and in the surrounding areas, what did they say they would like to see in terms of solutions to try to reduce the impact of wildfire smoke?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that... Like I said, people are trying to just, you know, deal with it, like have a sense of a normal life or keep that, you know, going like at schools and other places in the area. But there's also a lot of frustration, you know, and the sense that this smoke is just coming, you know, to them and there's not much you can do about it except like leave the area, like the gentleman we just heard from, you know, is saying, or like stay holed up in your house to try to protect yourself. Um, And so people want, um, I I heard like different things, but like the two main ones is better forest management so these fires don't burn so intensely and then also solutions to climate change so that we, you know, uh, take the steps we need to make sure that we're mitigating Uh, The conditions that lead to these mega fires in the in the first place. So um, there's there's hope, you know, that because the impacts of the wildfire smoke uh, of the wildfires are not just limited to the areas where they burn, but more of us all over the country are feeling the impacts of the smoke that, you know, people will get together and actually get, make some real fixes, you know, to the, to the situation, because it really is becoming unlivable in many parts of the, of the state and the country for, for people.
1: One of the things that I was struck by, John Bombs, was that you were also finding that there is interaction between wildfire smoke and COVID in terms of creating more severe impacts if you're infected with COVID-19. Can you talk a little bit about that?
5: Yes, you know, uh, um, I predicted this when uh, media folks asked me last summer uh, that uh, wildfire smoke could exacerbate both risk of getting the coronavirus and COVID-19, symptomatic COVID-19. And uh, there are now several studies that have supported that assumption that I made. the most recent one coming from Harvard from a very good team of investigators. They were actually the, the first US team to link air pollution, non wildfire air pollution exposure with uh, COVID uh, deaths. They then turned to this summer, well, actually last summer, uh, wildfires in 92 counties in uh, the Western US, Washington, Oregon, Northern California, and showed both for cases. And for deaths that there was an association um, with wildfire smoke PM 2.5 and you know these outcomes. And it makes perfect sense because we've known for years that air pollution in general increases risk of lower respiratory tract infections. Uh, and we also have evidence that non-wildfire air pollution does this for COVID-19. So now we have evidence that that we really expected that wildfire smoke PM2.5 interacts with uh, the coronavirus.
1: I read something about how it impairs the function of white blood cells in the lungs, so to to fight or to develop the immune response necessary to this smoke?
5: Yes, there are several ways. Yes, sorry. There are several ways that um, wildfire smoke, uh, actually, really any kind of smoke. So that's tobacco and marijuana smoke, too, uh, and ag-burning smoke. there are several ways that they increase the risk for viral infections. And so one is that a a type of white blood cell in in the lungs called the alveolar macrophage, that means uh, uh, a lung big eater. They're like uh, amoeba-like cells that patrol the the lungs. And when they're full of toxic particles, you know, toxic PM 2.5, they don't function as well. And they're the first responders to bacteria and viruses um, that make it down into the lungs. And the second, the second effect is that those toxic uh, particles injure the airway lining and so make it easier for uh, an inflammatory response where people get sicker than they would otherwise.
1: We're talking with John Baums, professor of medicine at UCSF. And I want to say goodbye now to Farida Javla-Romero, reporter with KQED, and Allison Saldana, investigative data reporter with NPR's California Newsroom. Thanks to both of you for sharing your findings in this NPR California Newsroom investigation on air quality across California and the U.S. After the break, we'll start talking solutions and ways to mitigate the effects of wildfire smoke, as well as some of the tools that are out there for us. So stay with us for that. You're listening to Forum. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the impact of wildfire smoke in California. And we're going to spend the rest of the hour looking at uh, how to understand how much wildfire smoke is in the air and how to try to mitigate the effects of it. John Bombs is with us, professor of medicine at UCSF, professor of environmental health sciences at the School of Public Health at UC Berkeley. Also, Ranyi Chang is with us, the director of meteorology and measurement for the Bay Area Air Quality Management District. Ranyi Chang, thanks so much
7: for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's Rainy Chang.
1: Oh, thank you, Rainy. Um, One of the things that I wanted to ask you was, we hear a lot that one of the best ways to mitigate the effects of wildfire smoke is to know that it's out there and to understand how much there is and make your decisions accordingly. And I'm wondering if you could help us understand what are some of the best resources for getting information about air quality during wildfires?
7: Mina, thanks for asking this question. Um, in in recent years, the public has had such an increased interest and need for air quality data, um, and there are a number of different websites, uh, different types of data. So this is a common question, and I'm really glad you're you're including this today, so we can uh, share some inf- share some information with the public. Um, it's It can be really easy to get air quality information on your smartphone or on your smartwatch. It's as easy as checking the weather. Um, And there's so many websites, but it's good to know where the air quality information comes from so that you can know how to use it to protect your health. So there there are so many different ways of measuring air quality. Um, There are high or low accuracy instruments. There are options that have higher or lower geographical coverage. Um, And there's also uh, different options for how frequently over time they take the measurements. So it's hard to get all three at once so you're usually looking at uh, trade offs between these three, and it's not really that one method is better than the other. Um, they're really helpful for different purposes, so um, ideally they can be used together. Um, so, so specifically, where, where can the public go for information? So one option is the Bay Area Air District runs uh, about over 30 monitoring stations around the Bay Area. So these are designed to meet stringent EPA regulations for monitoring, and they are helpful for getting information about the area, about the Bay Area as a region, um, and and, um, they're helpful for understanding how to track against national and state air quality standards. Um, But the coverage with 30 stations isn't good, and I I think with the the wildfires, it changes so much over time. It changes from neighborhood to neighborhood. So I think people are looking for a higher resolution of data, and that's where things like um, lower cost sensors come in. Um, these are sensors where they might, uh, they, they take, uh, you know, use a laser to estimate how many particles are in the air. So these are lower costs. They're easier to operate, uh, but they can provide useful information about changes in air quality over time or from neighborhood to neighborhood. Uh, but the, um the limitation of these sensors is that the accuracy can be lower; it can vary. Uh, it, it depends on how well they're set up or maintained, um, and they, because they're often um, purchased and installed by private citizens, um, they they tend to be more concentrated in affluent areas. So, one new resource um, that that um, the EPA has developed. Um, over the last year is their um, fire and smoke map. The URL is fire.airnow.gov. This is a great resource that combines multiple information together. So um, I used to have these, these information um, this information as separate tabs in my browser, but the EPA site combines it together. so you can have both a high accuracy, information but also the sensor data together hmm. as well as um uh satellite imagery. So really that's the best resource okay. then. The EPA yeah. Site it is a really point. common
1: force. yes. Well, Javey writes, I live in Richmond and have two young children. I find myself checking my Brizometer app multiple times a day to get a sense of how safe it is for them to be outdoors, time that they adore. We have multiple air purifiers in our home, and I recognize how blessed we are to be in a position to try to mitigate some of these toxins. I no longer have any interest in living here and will move when I can. But what about those in more marginalized communities who don't have those resources and options. Uh, Rainy, do you have any thoughts for Gervais on that? Because you mentioned, of course, that some of these meters or these sensors tend to be in more affluent neighborhoods.
7: This is a really good question. Um, the, there are a number of things that people can do to protect their health. Um, so I'll start there in terms of, um, you know, preparing your home through weatherization, or, if possible, purchasing um, uh, HEPA filters, or a HEPA air purifier, or MERV thirteen filter for an HVAC system. Um, if it's if that's not possible, there are locations around the Bay Area that are um, set up to have cleaner air. So it's it's helpful to plan ahead. If if it's it's harder to protect indoor air quality in your home or where you work um, to, to uh, identify locations that are, are feasible. Um, and the air district has also been working to get air quality air, purifi- air filtration units into um, homes, especially especially for vulnerable people who have respiratory conditions, children, elderly, um uh units to um, unhoused people um who might be in a, a a temporary shelter um and then as well as providing air filtration options for for shelters and schools around the bay area so the the need to protect air quality um is is a really high priority so these are programs that, um, we've, we've initiated since the wildfires really um, increased within the last few years. And it, it's, these are programs that we'd like to expand.
1: Well AJ writes, I'm concerned that we're missing the issue of indoor air quality, especially the impact on children in schools, especially the cumulative impact when there are wildfire while when there are wildfires. While it's true that someone with asthma is better off indoors when there's wildfire smoke, that misses the very real additive danger caused by the wildfire smoke and poor attention to indoor air quality in a large percentage of schools, which can increase the incidence and severity of asthma and viral illnesses going around in school, for example. I'd like to know more about the impacts on indoor air quality. Quality and health effects. Dr. Bombs, do you have anything that you'd like to say to AJ?
5: Yes. Uh, thank you, AJ. That's a question that I w- would very much like to answer. So I'm, in addition to being a faculty member at UCSF and UC Berkeley, I'm the physician member of the California Resources Board and the CARB. And CARB actually has a program to help schools uh, provide either cleaner air from putting in a MERV-13 filter, as, as Rainey mentioned, in their central HVAC system, if possible, and then also to put in portable HEPA air cleaners in classrooms uh, to make schools uh, clean spaces during bad wildfire smoke. And in terms of getting kids from home to school when the wildfire smoke is really bad, cars are actually a reasonable, uh, uh, way to reduce exposure. If you have your windows rolled up and your, uh, uh, air circulation, uh, your airflow to be recirculated, uh, cars are actually pretty good. So you can transport kids from home to schools pretty well by car. And, you know, buses can also be, uh, filtered and, uh, and ventilated. So the idea is to allow kids to be able to go to a clean space at school uh, and not have to miss out on education. So that's one thing. Uh, In terms of indoor air in general, uh, there's been increased attention to that, not just from wildfire smoke, but from cooking, for example, uh, and people smoking at home, whether they're smoking tobacco or marijuana, uh, you know, any kind of combustion uh, smoke can can be harmful to, uh, kids with asthma, and adults with asthma, for that matter. So there's a major attention to indoor air now, including uh, funding from state agencies. For example, the uh, California Energy Commission is uh, looking to fund uh, researchers to see if electrification of cooking and increased ventilation in kitchens can uh, improve uh the course of childhood asthma. So uh, in addition to worrying about the outdoor air, we're starting to have increased attention to indoor air quality.
1: Let me go to Robert in San Jose. Hi, Robert.
5: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Great. What's on your mind?
5: Well, I, I know that uh,
0: we're, we're talking about air quality and that sort of thing, but I'm really concerned about the people that are living outdoors that uh, through no fault of their own are having to stay outdoors and um, try to survive as best they can. And when the air quality gets really bad,
4: what what can we do to you know encourage the cities and the counties to provide a safe place for them to go? Uh, mm-hmm. Because they really have nowhere to go.
1: Robert, thanks. Rainey, do you have any sense of how cities are helping unhoused people deal with this kind of smoke?
7: This is a really good question, Robert. Um, and so I think in addition to the, the broader issue of providing support to unhoused people, Um, Cities and counties in the Bay Area are are setting up locations that people can go to, to have um, cleaner indoor air, or even, you know, if it's a hot day, um, you know, a cooling center. Um, So these are places like libraries, community centers, civic centers, um, local government buildings. um, And, and, um, you know, the, the other program, the Air District program that I mentioned, to provide, um, air filtration units to temporary shelters, um, that were set up for, um, unhoused people that, that, that's also an option. So, um, you know, it's, it's, definitely a, a concern, um, that, that people are trying to address.
1: We're talking with Rainy Chang, the Director of Meteorology and Measurement for the Bay Area Air Quality Management District, John Bombs, Professor of Medicine at UCSF. We're talking about, uh, wildfire smoke and its impacts and how to best address them. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to Steve in Santa Rosa. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you, Steve?
4: Uh, pretty good. I want to bring this up. I'm glad you guys are talking about this. Um, we've lived in Santa Rosa for oh, the past 12 years, and we've dealt with this now since 2017, even a little bit before that. It's affecting the quality of life to the point that you live up here, you can't take a full breath of air in without coughing at this time of year because you've been in smoke. We filter the air in our home. We go. We wear N95s when it's bad and do all of that. But it's, it's really affecting the quality of life so much to, this, to that point that my wife and I, we sold our house, and we're looking to move someplace else. And, I mean, this is a real major issue. And after living through it all these years up here, I'm glad you guys are talking about it because it's a serious issue.
1: Steve, I'm glad you're talking about it too because, John Bombs, what I'm hearing in Steve is not just the physical effects. When I hear quality of life, I also think about the psychic effects. And I remember when we had that Orange Sky Day and how many people were just feeling incredibly down as a result of that last year. Um, But also just the, the constant stress of this. Have you looked at... The psychological impacts of this increase in smoky days in california
5: well i haven't specifically done research on this but I, i'm aware of research about uh bad pollution's effect on uh our mood and psychological state uh and there's also some data about wildfire smoke as well you know that and just to point out that september 9th when the sky when the sun looked like mordor uh, <laughs> yes. You know that, and, and Rainey can correct me if I'm wrong, but the plume was high up that day and the air quality down on the surface wasn't as bad as the next day, September 10th, I believe, if I have my dates right, when it was sunny, hazy, sunny, and the, the PM 2.5 levels were down here where we breathe were worse. So you can't necessarily go by um, how dark it is. Um, because the larger particles can block out the sun's rays, but the smaller particles can you know, come down and settle in our breathing zone. But yes, there's no question that uh, poor air quality affects mood that's been studied uh, in polluted cities around the world. And uh, I think wildfire smoke may be particularly problematic because it's kind of like an earthquake. Uh, or a hurricane, it's like a natural, in quotes, even if it's caused by pg e malfunction, it's kind of a natural disaster that we don't have any control over. And the lack of control, I think, leads to stress. Uh, that's one of the risk factors for post-traumatic stress disorder is the lack of control when something just happens to you that's uh, bad. And so there's no question my mood deteriorates uh, during the the poor air quality uh, from the wildfires.
1: Well, we are hearing people talk about moving and wanting to leave the area. But Michael tweets, is there anywhere in California that's not affected by smoke? And Rainy Chang, before this, we were talking about how far uh, these smoke plumes can go, how much people in other Parts of the country are being affected by fires out in the West. What is your answer for Michael? And what is the outlook for, for us based on wildfire and smoke looking forward?
7: Certainly the air quality in general from, air, from wildfires has, has been worse. Um, the specific impacts to locations Uh, to a specific location changes so much over time. And, you know, from location to location, if you look at the satellite imagery, sometimes you see a huge plume over, you know, the entire Western United States going out into the ocean. Sometimes um, the smoke plumes will be very narrow and just flow from the wildfire and, and there's a narrow path that it travels. So it's, it's, it's something, it's a situation that's really dynamic. Um, even even year to year changes quite, there are big differences. So last year and this year, we've through you know, the end of September, we've had the same um, acreage that's been burned in California, but the number of days with poor air quality has been so much less this year versus last year. So it's a constantly um, changing situation. The mission of the air district is to uh, improve air quality and protect public health. The wildfires certainly have made our situation a lot more challenging and and we're reacting and responding to that but our mission still remains. Um, So I would encourage people for more information about how to protect your health, where to go for air quality information, other tips. uh, to check out the Air District website, www.baaqmd.gov, um, to provide more information and, and hopefully some reassurance um, to help people take the right steps.
1: Well, Sherry writes, I'm moving to the Portland, Oregon area west of Portland as a smoke refugee. It's a hard decision to leave my native home, but medically necessary, too bad fossil fuel is driving the current Catastrophe. Rainey Chang with the Bay Area Air Quality Management District. Thanks so much for talking with us. Also, John Bombs, Professor of Medicine at UCSF. Really appreciated having you on as well. And really appreciate Tina Lauerbrook for producing this segment. Forum is also produced by Judy Campbell, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, and Grace One. Susan Britton is the lead producer for the 10 o'clock hour. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Chris Hoff. Our interns are Kimia Akbari and Jennifer Ng. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. Thanks to them. Thanks to our listeners. Have a great weekend. I'm Mina Kim.
6: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.